You're listening to Virgin Control, Pounding Rings Digital News Show. We are back for, I'm going to say it right now, our biggest episode of Virgin Control ever. Not in length, because we've done that in the past, haven't we, Nick? Yeah, there's been some marathons. Marathon uh, podcasts. We're trying to keep them short. What we're going to do today is introduce our first five-person pod. It's a real roundtable. It is a powerhouse roundtable. And it's bi-coastal. We have a very special guest star uh, live from across the country, uh, Pound and Grain managing partner Sandy Fleischer. Welcome, fine sir. We also have Scott Liu, Associate Creative Director. Hello. And we have Mark Cameron. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Our Senior Director out here in Toronto. And always, Nick Hewen. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing great, Jackson. Thank you. Awesome. And I'm Jackson Murphy, as always. And uh, today we have a very special topic. And I'm going to pass that over to Mr. Scott. So, yeah, Jackson's right. We have a very interesting topic today, something that has been covered a little bit in the past on version control, um, but today we are going deep. And by that, I mean we're talking self-driving cars, we're talking Apple Siri, we're talking Google Assistant, Amazon Alexa, the West World season finale. Um, artificial intelligence and machine learning is, is actually becoming normal in this day and age. But are we on the brink of an AI revolution for the betterment of humankind? Or are we just a stone's throw away from Skynet taking over? Uh, this week, your hosts, Wink, uh, are talking bots, so strap in, and we're going to go really, really deep with this one. Get it? Hosts? Yep. <laughs> uh, hope, hope everyone's caught up on, on Westworld, because we're going to spoil it. I'm just kidding. Uh, so specifically, yeah, I mean, we, we, we're, we're going to go around the, around the table and around the country, it sounds like, and kind of talk about um, some, of the, some of the great things that we've found online lately about, uh, about bot learning and artificial intelligence uh, and how they're helping people and you know, how it, are, it is making things easier and technology is becoming so cool. Um, but then there's always the other side of that coin. Um, for every self-driving car, there is a murdering self-driving car. You know, it's, it's kind of like that whole uh, iRobot issue where, you know, a car in order to, a, a self-driving car in order to avoid uh, crashing into a crowd has to swerve and hit an old man. So, you know, there's got to be some ethics coded into it to determine uh, whose life should be spared and who should be killed. And uh, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Totally. It's, I think it, at least the analogy that I had read about before was called the tunnel in the cliff. And it's like a five-year-old runs out and then the computer has to assess if your life is worth more than that five-year-old's. So it, the, the car has to decide if it goes off the cliff and there's nowhere to go on the right side because you're heading towards a tunnel. So who does it choose? I, I wonder, guess it, I wonder who the car would have chosen out of Harambe or that, that child. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I like that we got Harambe in this. Wow. <laughs> got to throw it in sometimes. Wow. You know? Depends on who the who the adult is, I would imagine. Like, if it was Sandy, like, there's a no-brainer no that we'd program that bot to, like, swerve to the child and <laughs> spare our, our, uh, our uh, managing partner. So, so as a youngest person here, I, I survive every time? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> but don't go thinking you're too special because there's 26 years Below of people me. that, yeah. True. I gotta Absolutely. start hanging out in crowds of older people. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, not not to dwell on you know who the car is going to kill, 
Um, but, <laughs> Wait, but should, I mean, should we though? <laughs> <laughs> the existence of, of smart cars and cars that are able to make driving decisions, I mean, there is definitely a benefit for that. I mean, one of them obviously is some people really should not be behind the wheel and this car can, and, and these smart cars can, can actually prevent them from doing even more damage than, the, than they themselves would be able to do. But wasn't the point of that article that people still have to be behind the wheel? They still have to be behind the wheel, but there's some instances where it's the car will know when it's safe to change lanes, things like that. The car will know when uh, you know it's w w it'll 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 warn the driver when things are about to go bad. Hopefully, right. And that's the technology that they're working on, as opposed to you know full on. I, I, where I think we're we're getting to too far ahead of ourselves is when is when we just assume that the car is going to drive for us. Right. We're not, I still don't think the technology is there where you can uh, just kind of sit in a car and not touch the wheel and just kind of let it, like Johnny Cab. We're not there yet. Well, I like, there was criticism in that, in that article that uh, we read about this um, from a competitor, no less, but it said that um, the Tesla sort of marketing is leading people to believe that this is, uh, car is capable of things that it's not really capable of yet. So exactly what you just said, we shouldn't believe that we can just, you know, it's not a Johnny cab. <laughs> the Total Recall reference for those who aren't, <laughs> I don't know. I think it is, isn't it? Yes. All right, good. <laughs> Nailed it. But, um... It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go with that instead. No, it's, um... So, yeah, you still have to drive, basically. It will do most of the work, but it's just like cruise control, I guess, at this point. And th on that, that case of the Tesla was a giant like quarter ton like truck like coming off of like the side of the highway and the mm -hmm. guy didn't put his brakes on yeah yeah and so. the, the problem was that it was a white truck and it blended in it was a very sunny day so it blended into the sky um in tesla's software and it didn't realize that the truck was even there so it just kept going there'll never be another white truck on a sunny day <laughs> <laughs> well it's in like another i think it was 130 million kilometers have have been driven in in teslas with autopilot on and this is the first death so i mean that's not bad yeah but the problem was that it didn't differentiate between the big rig being in the way and an overhead street sign that could have been white right so that is something that you would hope that the human eye would be able to differentiate. Right, and the guy wasn't paying attention because he had way too much faith in the car. Right. Um, which, they have they have warnings before you actually turn it on to say, like, hey, you still need to be alert. Um, but So at what point do we just, you know, we'll, we'll know that potentially the car won't stop, but we'll put faith in the machine just like we do in a car right now. Yeah. You know, potentially your tire will fall off while you're on the highway. Yeah, yeah. But we just get in and hope that that doesn't happen. Yeah, and technically your chances are lower in a self-driving Tesla than yourself. Uh, definitely te walking. Te technically, the, the, average, the average person. Trust the bots. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of, of bot trusting, all right, let's... Uh, <laughs> um, the, the implementation of Siri into uh, iPhones specifically. Um, I personally don't actually use Siri a whole lot, but I know that there is a large community of iPhone users that actually rely on Siri um, in terms of answering specific questions, in terms of uh, helping them find things like directions and where different apps are and stuff like that. So one of the things that we have found, though, is that Siri can has the ability to be quite the jokester with certain, <laughs> with certain questions. And then that's been one of the actually more newsworthy pieces to come out of the Siri technology is people trying to, um, and this is going to be weird to say this, but trying to confuse her 
trying to get her to play along with a, with a particular narrative that they're trying to set up. Um, there's a few articles out there on like 20 hilarious questions you can ask Siri that she'll give you a, a, an equally hilarious response. My Siri usage is up at least 32%. That's a scientific number <laughs> since I got the new MacBook Pro because instead of it being where the power button is on my like graphical display interface, the Siri button is where it is now. So I'm constantly hitting and she's constantly interrupting me <laughs> and asking what I can what she can do for me and then I I say I don't need anything and she has no response to that. I, I was thinking, like, you know, the ultimate measure of which one of these is better is uh, is which which one could tell the best joke, right? So I think we'd all agree that that would scientifically prove which is best. So I did some research, uh, and uh, if if I may, I thought I would uh, tell you the jokes that uh, all of these assistants tell. I love it. And this is just a properly. Uh, you know, uh, attribute. It's from a Business Insider magazine. We could we could post the link later. But so this series big joke when you ask her to tell you a joke is the past, the present, and the future walk into a bar. It was tense. Not uh-huh. bad. Not bad. Uh-huh. S- Sandy, so you know the funny part about that is Sean from the Toronto office told us that joke today, <laughs> literally this morning. Well, now, now you know where he gets. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him uh, to divide something by zero, see what he says. <laughs> Maybe Sean is a bot. Oh, God. That's, that's well, crazy. Have you tried this one? This is the joke that Google Assistant will tell when asked. Uh, what do you call an empty jar of cheese whiz? Cheese was. Wow. Ten out of ten. Uh, <laughs> ten out of ten. So I'm, I'm using that later. Such a Google joke. How many politicians does it take to change a light bulb? Two. One to change it and another one to change it back again. <laughs> that one's a bit jaded, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Alexa, what's brown and sticky? A stick. I don't even get it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, from this, I'd say Google Assistant clearly is the dominant AI. I have Alexa, Sandy. And it, really? yeah, uh, uh, Jose got one and, uh, yeah, it's not very good in Canada because it doesn't really connect to too many things, but it does play music. It does sometimes find radio stations if you're very specific and it does do the weather, weather, if you say Toronto, Canada. Um, but other than that, she just sasses you about things that she can't do for you. Put on uh, a coat, you Canuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have a weird question. Is it aside from just humanizing these things by calling them she? Uh, where are the dudes? You know, it's a little sexist. Dude bots. Yeah, where are the dude bots? I, I, I think Siri in the UK is a male voice. Uh, what? You might want to fact check that before this goes on air <laughs> to our research team if they're listening. Uh, but but that you know, uh, obviously they would have done some research to determine that. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's probably just what what gets better results is what they use, right? Yeah, the British are more used to having like Jeeves, you know, they 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 come from a aristocratic society that had butlers. I had no idea. I thought they were all the same, but I guess that makes sense. And Sandy brought up an interesting point too when we asked if he had used them, and and this is one of the bigger criticisms against Google Assistant. Um, Google Assistant is not only does it respond to you and interact with you. One of its big selling points is that Google is telling you that it's learning from you as well. 
Um, and by that we mean whenever you're having a conversation either through uh, an app like a chat app like Allo or you're just searching something online, Google Assistant is tracking that information and looking for opportunities to serve you uh, information that it believes that you're going to need. It's, it's really trying to get to know you. So on one hand, uh, it's a little bit creepy that it's trying to get to know you and it's getting to know you for the reasons that it can serve you things like ads. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's it's odd that you know there is a the this uh, the Google Assistant probably knows me better than most humans at this point. It is it is cool. Like I I have an iPhone now, but I had a Google phone before, and I don't use Siri. Um, but it was called Google Now when I had uh, Nexus Five, and I use it a lot more than I use Siri right now. And it does learn from you. Like I I never put in that I liked watching the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it all of a sudden had their score for every game come up on my screen after like in the morning the next day Whoa. and it was like and I didn't I didn't mind that I thought it was really cool or it was like just poking fun at you because the score is it could be yeah because they lost, lost. Time. <laughs> <laughs> it was just trolling yeah, yeah that could be it <laughs> so maybe it did have a sense of humor yeah it could be <laughs> I, I both mind it and don't but it's like we talked about with so many things on here on version control you know we're just going to get used to the, this uh, sort of intuitive uh, handing us all of our information that we could possibly want based on all of our pr past choices. I mean, we already are used to that. Uh, every time we uh, search something on Google and some, everything yeah. is sort of like, curated for us. So, Well, we're all using AI every day yeah. without knowing it. There's, like, it's, in, it's in everything. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. Um, it curates, like, Facebook curates their news feed, mm -hmm. your news feed, based off of AI, right? So there's, it's always being used. You just don't really see it. So that kind of brings up one of one of the big questions I wanted to ask: is is AI only bad when we know it's there? No, it's bad when it's sentient and wants to kill us. <laughs> Fair enough. Physical yeah. violence is when it's that's not good. Yeah. To me, it seems like we we respond to these things negatively when we read news stories about things like Siri not being able to answer questions about suicide. Uh, Things like uh, Google Assistant only offering you ads based on the conversations that it's reading off of Allo. Things like the Tesla accidentally running into white trucks. I mean, had had we not heard about that, um, and it was it was really just all about the benefits, mm -hmm. would we even notice it? Um, no, but also uh, any sort of like ethical questions about why whether or not you know we should continue on the course that we are with AI are, are a little bit irrelevant because we're going to just like natural human sort of curiosity or laziness are going to push us to continue creating things that make our lives easier. Yeah, for um, sure. In whatever respect that might be. Yeah, and and like we know what we're getting ourselves into as well. So all, like the guy that died in the Tesla, he had, when he turned on the autopilot, he had to check off a box saying, I know what I'm doing right now. And he checked it off. Just like every time um, Facebook comes out with a new terms and conditions, we always scroll through it really quick. No one ever reads it, but we're opting into that. So we are making the decision to, to get into this. Facebook's an interesting case. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because Facebook specifically is using bot responses within social media right now. Um, and in doing so, like, is it, I, I'm sure people are noticing these things. You know, social networking was kind of started as a way for us to speak to our inner circle of friends. And now without us necessarily giving it permission, or maybe we are without even knowing it, um, this sort of third party AI robot is now being, is now part of our social network. Are we comfortable with that? Um, is that 
totally fine, or is it is it weird? Are we gonna are we gonna stop using these services because of it? Yeah, again, I don't know if comfortable really matters because natural evolution is part of it. So like, I mean, comfortable does matter, but no, nobody's gonna stop using it. You know what we do is as you know web builders and uh, you know talking about conversational interfaces and being able to use bot technology to you know, in a more human way and in a more simplified way, be able to get someone the information that they're looking for. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see the, the implications for, you know, the more, let's call it two-dimensional design-oriented <clears throat> interfaces that we're used to creating. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think there's lots of opportunities, Sandy, for, for uh, how you would do a... Like rather than using a contact form or a or a submission form, like being able to do that in a cleaner, nicer way with a bot and yield more rich material from the user than you would with like I have to fill out another form. Like I think that's you know a, like a really simple gateway drug of bots that I don't know if is really being explored at this point. As bots and and AI become smarter and, and evolve and technology evolves in itself. Um, are we as, as creators, as individuals, do you think that that's going to challenge us to be, to beat the bots? Again, I think that like, I think our laziness spurs the march of progress, not to sound too like poetic about it. I, it, it just reminds me of a conversation that we were actually having this morning where we were talking about how Google actually indexes pages these days. You know, way back in the early 2000s, Google was, was indexing search, or basically ranking searches uh, based on how pages were built and, and on the back end and how things were tagged and, and how everything, how the copy was written. And now, as of a few years ago, Google's actually looking at web pages as a whole, trying to imagine how a human would, would look at this web page and then ranking it based off that and no longer... Uh, based on how it's built and what the keywords are. Sure, so it'll make it more, you know, accessible or irrelevant to have jobs like to be a developer in that sense? Yes. You know, accessible meaning like you don't have to know as much, you don't have to learn as much. The programs will guide you. On one way, yes, um, but at the same time, it's. I think it's also forcing us to uh, I, I think it's nice, it's challenging us to design and create information on the web um, for people now, specifically people, and not to try to, to beat Google to get to the top of that search engine, um, which I think is a benefit. And someone has to be, you know, the architect of all the bots. <laughs> I'll throw this mind bender for you guys. How do we know we're not already programmed as bots from Sandy? <laughs> it's like billion to one odds that we are characters living in a simulation. It's a pretty awesome simulation. So Rocco's Basilisk contends, and I'm overly simplifying, but the, the premise is that there's an all-powerful AI being that's controlling everything, and by merely uh, having a hint at their existence, if you don't do anything uh, to bring about the development of this all-knowing being, you will retroactively be punished. So by the fact that I just told you it exists, you now have to do what you can to ensure that they are brought about into the world. So, sorry guys. That sounds like a chain email thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're doomed! We can't really top that in our discussion of bots, but I think we probably got some 
um, related digital picks uh, from the gang um, that we can go through and uh, wrap up this uh, another this another exciting episode of the podcast. So, who is up for sharing their digital pick first? I'll go because mine actually isn't related to box. Oh. <clears throat> Um, what happened to our theme, Scott? I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I kind of went off script. Um, but my digital pick this week is, is this new app called Genie. G-E-E-N-E-E. And what it is, is it has figured out, a, or these, this app development company has figured out a way to monetize shopping on Instagram. And it's something that I feel like Instagram has tried to keep away from their app. Uh, they don't even allow uh, links in their comments. The, the closest thing that, they're, that you're able to do uh, to advertise outside of, or to get people off of Instagram and, and to interact with the brand, um, is to put a link into your bio. If you follow any one of these, a number of influencers, uh, which are definitely in the fashion space, um, what it'll do is you, if, if you activate this app, it'll take a screenshot of the Instagram photo that you like, um, and it will tell you the price of every item that they're wearing and give you an opportunity to purchase it directly from the app. Whoa. Whoa. Fancy. Which is very fancy. Um, on one hand, yes, for uh, for retailers, for influencers, for brands, it's probably amazing. On the other, I, I, I'm very, very excited to see how Instagram as a, as a service responds to something like this. Are they going to lean into it? Are they going to say, you know, this is what Instagram is for, good for it, guys? Or are they going to develop some sort of algorithm that kicks them right off Shut making this... Make, yeah, making this yeah. app obsolete. Oh, okay. Until they release it as Instagram uh, shopping, shopping and uh, steal it. Shopping. It seems to be like our th- recurring theme. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the people that I know who use Instagram aren't actually using it to see, uh, to, to focus on brand products. Um, they're kind of using it, they, they follow brands, like I follow brands like GoPro, just to see what kind of footage they can they can shoot. Uh, but not because I necessarily want to buy a GoPro. Mm-hmm. Um I, I so to me it seems weird that somebody would actually use Instagram um, for that particular reason. Yeah, it's a but, little different. Yeah, but you know evolution, right? Let's move on to Mark. Um, yeah, I'll go next. I like this. We're going in a certain order here. So mine is a YouTube clip of um, this robot. Oh, this video is really cool. It's uh, the robot kind of navigating some better terrain than it used to be able to. So it's uh, skipping from one platform to another platform um, with like rocky terrain in between. And what it can do now is it, it can balance a lot better. So um, it's like a parkour robot. Yeah, it's like a parkour robot. Uh, there's one where it's like there's a tiny little peg and he puts his whole foot on the peg mm-hmm. and balances his whole body on it. And I keep calling him a he, but he makes it from one platform to the next. Okay, so I don't know what's more terrifying. Uh, AI with a robot body (laughs) or just this like omnipotent AI force you know what I mean so like this is like this is a chappy terminator type of guy (laughs) going on here nice reference and he can balance himself extremely well it's it's like better than I think humans could he takes a while to get across but it's um it's creepy to watch it's early days yeah so we'll link that in our in our posting uh follow-up to this but what what it does do and I'm going to continue to refer to it as it Mm-hmm. Um, what it does do that's different than humans is it never decides or has to make a decision on whether or not it's going to turn back, which right. would immediately be my first decision on rocky terrain mm-hmm. is not going to do it. But it can analyze and say, yes, this is, I'm going to 
succeed at this, so I'm going to proceed. Amazing. You wouldn't even make that first step to the rocky terrain, though, Scott. No. <laughs> no, no. Unless, that, unless that rocky terrain is within Rolly's chair sliding distance from my desk. <laughs> not, not, not happening. happening. <laughs> you, know, you know what's awesome, though? As well as, like, uh, in, like, science fiction tropes. Um, wow. You will Love be. That word. Yeah, it's a great word. But you'll be a part of the the old generation. Like you'll be the old man that's like, I will not call that thing a he. And your grandchildren will be like, This is my friend, Gerald. Or you know, whatever, you know, like Robert. Yep. And you're like, it's an it. It's a machine. Grumpy old man. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not I'm not opposed to calling something a he. I think but just looking at this clip, um, I am not at the point where I can refer to it as a he yet. I also call my plants on my desk he's and she's, so... That I'm, was a bit I'm of a, a revelation. Bit, yeah, a little, di- <laughs> little bit different over here. Sandy, you probably can't see this because you're uh, via uh, the uh, interwebs, but you're next in line to talk about your digital pick. I have uh, Cam, our uh, tech director here at uh, Pound Grains Vancouver office, to thank for this one. He, uh, he told me about Digit.co, D-I-G-I-T.co, and it's a, it's a bot-powered personal finance app that, you know, through conversation learns about your spending habits, uh, and I think you could probably integrate it into your account too, and it learns that way, and it basically squirrels away money uh, based on your habits so you don't really feel the pain, and I'm pretty excited to to try this out, and I'm I'm fully expecting that I don't even have to look at things in I don't know in a decade, two decades or so, whatever it is. I'm ready to retire. I'll just have a, a nest egg all ready to go, courtesy of Digit.co. So that's my uh, that's my retirement plan right there. I thought uh, your record collection was your retirement plan. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, good point. I, th- <laughs> I thought, so will Digit prevent you from buying uh, records? Well, then I'll uninstall it. <laughs> <laughs> Smarter than that, AI. <laughs> to what degree will it have access to your uh, your bank account? I, I think, you know, I think, and this was always my unease, because I've tried this before, given my uh, personal finance uh challenges shall we say <laughs> with mint and with mint it, it's a bit uneasy because i gave it free reign over all my different uh bank accounts and uh, it would just be very convenient hacking for someone all they needed to do is go to mint yeah that <laughs> sounds like is just as easy of a, a, a method of losing money different just like by yeah. by increments too you know just like 10 bucks a week and you'll never notice mm-hmm. well in doing a little research here um so this is this is what Digit does. Every two or three days, it transfers some much some money, any increment between five and fifty dollars, from your checking account to a Digit savings account. Uh, they never transfer more than you can afford, so you never have to worry about overdrafting. In fact, they have a no overdraft guarantee. Sounds like they're stealing our money. <laughs> that's, that's I don't know exactly if I want to sign up what for it this. sounds like. Well, they're not stealing yours; they're stealing Sandy's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love it. That was amazing, Sandy. Thank you. I love Digit. Yeah. I'm going to get Digit. Um, mine's, per- mine's pretty small, but I was thinking we were more on a theme of, of uh, bots today. <clears throat> and I know Scott was kind of disappointed with the link when I shared it with him earlier in, in the week. But I went back and I reread it again, and I'm still sold. Like, if you want to go deep on the power of bots, there's an article on Complex 
about this sort of ongoing battle between um, sneaker retailers and then consumers who are using bots to like hack in and buy the like fancy like releases of sneakers faster than other humans. And so like jumping the queue over not having to, to go through these like long forums, but using bots at both the like front end level and the server level to just enter the data faster to buy the things. And this is what they do with, with um, ticket brokers and, and all sorts of things. They're using bots against corporations to like suck the valuable goods out before the rest of the general public gets to it. Right. So it's, a, it's kind of a long read. Um, but I thought it was it was really interesting of how consumers are using bots to like speed up the purchases and kind of like flaunt the system. Um, so that's on complex.com. And because we're all lovers of sneakers and bots, I thought that would be an appropriate share. It would be uh, a huge boon to all the dudes that we always see over on Queen Street camping out for 48 hours to get the new Yeezys. Or yeah. Or are those people bots. <laughs> are they just paying a host to go and sleep there for it them? It could be that. Oh, so those aren't real people. Maybe. So what do they need all those blankets and tents for? Because <laughs> <laughs> so, they're wow. that good. They have, oh, yeah. they have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so in my defense, it's not that I was not impressed by the link that Jackson sent. It was that, uh, that what interested me about this, the link that he sent, was the fact that in the end of the article, they're talking a little bit about what uh, e-commerce sites are doing to fight the bots. Yes. And that's what I found really interesting. And and that kind of spawned this question of, is is are bots actually making us smarter? Are they forcing us to beat them? Is it a is it a competition now for us to beat bots as as shoe collectors, if anything? Well, that's probably a good a place as any uh, to wrap this one up. A little bit longer than we normally do, but we've never had five people before. Uh, thank you, Nick. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Scott. And big thanks uh, for Sandy for dialing in from uh, Vancouver.